You are listening to Mommying While Muslim Podcast, where hosts Uzma and Zeba share their personal stories of mommying in a post-9-11 world. This podcast is designed with the Muslim American mom in mind, so grab a cup of coffee and pull up to their table. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mommying While Muslim Podcast. This is Uzma Jafri. And this is Zeba Hassan. If you're watching us on video, you we're see so that sorry. both of us look, yeah, we're really apologized, but this goes to show you what Momming <laughs> While Muslim actually looks like. We're both in our um, recording studios, both in our pajamas. Elise Uzma got her nails done looking cute. I have my baby sitting next to me. You might hear him coughing. Poor baby. Um, so yeah, we've been slammed with various illnesses, but you know what? It's just a small piece of what's going on in the world right now. So we have to keep continuing telling the story. Uzma, how are you feeling? Because I know you've been crazy busy with like protests and things like that. So that's kind of why I got my nails done in case Let's I need do to it. be identified later. Oh, a stuff for law. Let's not talk like that. I, I literally <laughs> no, had to talk about okay. my kids' stuff for law. But, you know, we, we're, we're continuing to try to t- keep telling these stories. I'm sorry. I've been MIA because, like I said, we've we've dealt with strep, the flu. Now we have pneumonia. Um, so we've really been just trying to rest um, and recoup so that we can keep doing what we're doing. You're at least drinking tea. What is your recipe for the tea today? Hopefully it's not coffee. Okay, then I won't say it's coffee. Oh, darn. Uzma, you know what I feel about coffee when you're sick. So you know what I was drinking for the past couple of days? Because I was trying to stop this. I started feeling sick day before yesterday. So I was like, oh, what do I do to stop this? What did my mom used to do? Have you ever heard of Jashanda? No. Like I have, but I don't know what it is. So why don't you tell us? It's powdered herbs that are supposed to be great for a cold. And it doesn't taste that bad. It tastes like it has a lot of fennel in it, actually. Um, Oh, that could be good for my digestive issues. Right. Definitely good for digestion because um, my stomach stopped hurting when I had that. So I've done that in hot water. You literally just mix it up. Some people add sugar. I don't see the need Mm. because I feel like the fennel sweetens it enough. Yeah. So I've been drinking that, but it just makes you pee so fast. Whatever's in there is like a strong diuretic, but it helped my throat definitely but as you can see, I feel like my cold is progressing. SubhanAllah, I've ha- I haven't had the serious issues that you've had in your household. But I do want to bring up a potentially scary suggestion. My dad's been having a lot of coughing, sniveling, sneezing. Oh, no. Yes, it's allergy season. He has allergies. He has emphysema, all the good stuff. But you know, recently their island where their dishwasher and their sink is, there was water coming from under the dishwasher. Oh, so no. The Mold. Plumber came and turned the dishwasher oh. off because it was during Christmas. So he's like, I can't mm-hmm. do anything now, but let me turn off the light. And then um, the builder came out because the house is new. The builder came out and they opened, they took the dishwasher out, black mold everywhere. Oh my God. That dishwasher was installed in August. My parents moved in in September. Um, and he's like, so I it's think it's been there like was a slowly festering. Yeah, slow leak that's been festering. Oh my gosh, now I should probably, because I have. Yeah. It's so bad that we've gotten every single disease in, in the like world. Two months you have. Two months. Yeah. Um, you know what starts? I know you are a doctor, but it starts when we start getting our flu shot because we it's go to the doctor the for the shot. first. It's not because, but we go to the doctor's office and then we get exposed. And for whatever reason, I'm going to look into it. But if you have any suggestions, please send it our way. I feel like my 
um, totally immunocompromised and it's just terrible. But I hope they're going to fix that black, black mold because if you have any co- co- kind of like chest or bronchial things, yeah. black mold can be debilitating mm-hmm. um, for you. For sure. So yeah, they, their island is gone now. <laughs> and they're like oh. treating it. The remediation team is there. Everything's going to get redone, rebuilt. And in the meantime, they've been moved out to a hotel for oh the new year. Oh my goodness. But I was like, well, good, alhamdulillah, like at least we figured out what this is. But, you know, if you call a a company out to test for mold, they basically have these monitors that will test the air to see how many spores and stuff are there. So everybody has a little bit in the air. You have a minimum amount of spores, but not expected to be anything really dangerous. But if those counts are really high, then for families with allergies, asthma, lung issues like yours and mine, it becomes really significant. And so, you know, you may want to consider looking for black mold. So, okay. I am definitely going to put that on my never ending to-do list because, you know, when you're in the thick of it, you just kind of keep adding and adding to your to-do list, but realizing I don't have the strength or energy to do this right now. So I'm giving myself grace to do that. So I apologize for the people that have been reaching out. And then we've been like a little bit delayed in getting back, but we're human and we're doing the best that we can. So please forgive us. But of course, today is a special episode one, because I get to see Ozma. I haven't seen her in a gazillion years because we've been kind of like ships passing into the night. (laughs) Ozma, do you want to tell our listeners what they have in store for this um, week's special episode? Yeah. Well, first I want to set it up with Yeah, we have a post on Instagram, you know, I guess, Happy New Year. Inshallah, we hope it will be because it can't be a repeat of the end of last year for sure. I don't think we could handle another one like that because it's just been so painful and unhappy. Um, But Inshallah, we are hopeful as Muslims, we never lose our hope and our faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we are going to continue to be working for, praying for, not always crying for Gaza and Palestine, but you know, if those tears are going to water our action and going to water our drive to continue working for a free Palestine and to stop killing children in Gaza, that that's where we are right now. So um, to that end, our January series is going to kind of bleed in out of our December series. And that's a terrible analogy. I don't need sorry. I, said that. I know that's it's, so bad. Yeah. Leading into January from December, December was our uh, what's going on in Palestine series. So we're going into Muslim moms in the media, talking not just to moms, um, but to uh, professionals in the media industry, talking about how the tides are turning in ways that we have never seen. We touched on that in some in of our, our time for sure. For sure. Right. Like we were never allowed to say some of these things, the conversations that are happening and kudos to our Jewish brethren, our Jewish family and to our non-Arab, non-Palestinian, white American international family community coming yeah. out and saying, this is not okay. Like we d- really literally didn't know. And now we're going to make sure that everybody does. Kudos to all of you because it's never too late. Like we say here, when you know better, you do better. It's never too late to do better. And that's why we're all here. To that end, we anticipate our January series being about these tides turning in the media and why that's going to be so significant when it comes to everything, not just Gaza and Palestine, but our civil rights over here. And this is an election year, guys. So um, it's going to be really, really important because we kind of caught the media with its pants down at the end of 2023. And we're going to keep doing that rectal exam being like, you need to fess up. We need to figure out what's wrong with you here. In the meantime, we are going to call on an article for today's episode, which is titled, What's it like to be a parent in Gaza, where Israel has killed more than 3,600 children so far? This is dated 
three weeks into the the issue, unfortunately. But, you know, since then, we know 13,000 some odd children mm-hmm. um, have been killed. Women and children have been killed. I think it's the count is something like 25,000, two thirds of whom are women and children. So it's not Hamas, like everybody said it was going to be. So to that end, this is the article. We're going to tag it, credit it, and send it to uh, TRT who ran the article so that they know that you know we really appreciate this because as moms, we want to know how are moms handling the winter with sick children and no food and no clean water and delivering babies without anesthesia, without a newborn kit, without diapers, without formula, all of the things. How are you surviving? Because we want to figure out how we can help. Yes. Um, obviously, that's our, our go-to, but also to understand their point of view and to humanize them. But at the same time, there is a whole campaign from Philistine called We Are Not Numbers. The founder of that was actually killed by a drone strike, uh, an attack on his home. We Are Not Numbers is important because 13,000, 25,000, 50,000, whatever it is, these aren't just numbers. These are human beings. Mm-hmm. So today's episode is going to be an homage based on the CRT article, citing some of the stories, the narratives of the people that were unalived in this current assault on Gaza, uh, inshallah, the last assault on Gaza and Palestine, if we have anything to do with it. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants us our prayers, we pray, inshallah, that he finds us worthy of our prayers being accepted, inshallah, Allahumma ameen. But in the meantime, Zeba is going to kick it off with our first story from the article, How Are Moms Doing in Gaza Right Now? Asil Hassan, age 13. Asil Hassan was an excellent student, said her father, Hazim bin Said. She devoured classical Arabic poetry, memorizing its rigid metric and rhyme scheme, and reveling in its mystical images and florid metaphors. During the war, when Israeli bombardments came so close that their walls started to shake, she would regal her relatives by reciting famous verses from Abu al-Tayyib al-Mutannabi, a 10th century Iraqi poet, her father would say. When I asked her what she wanted to do when she grew up, she would say, read, said the 42-year-old Ben Sayed. Poems were a seal's escape. An Israeli airstrike on October 19th leveled his three-story home in Deir Balal, al-Bala, killing a seal and her 14-year-old brother, Anas. Maj Suri, age seven. The explosions terrified Maj, said his father, 45-year-old Rama Suri. He missed playing soccer with his school friends. He was devastated that the war had canceled his Christian family's much-anticipated trip to Nazareth, the town in Israel where tradition says Jesus grew up. Baba, where can we go? Majd asked again and again when airstrikes roared. The family, devout members of Gaza's tiny Christian community, finally had an answer. St. Porphyrius Greek Orthodox Church in Gaza City. Suri said Majd calmed down when they arrived at the church where dozens of Christian families had taken shelter. Together, they prayed and sang. On October 20th, Israeli shrapnel crashed into the monastery, killing 18 people. Among the dead were Mudd and his siblings, 9-year-old Julie and 15-year-old Sohel. As usual, Israel claimed it had been targeting a nearby Hamas command center. Mudd was found beneath the rubble with his hands around his mother's neck. His face was completely burned. My children just wanted peace and stability, said Suri, his voice cracking. All I cared about was that they were happy. Kenan and Niman al-Sharif, twins 18 months old. Karim al-Sharif, an employee with the UN Palestinian Refugee Agency, could barely speak on Wednesday as he knelt over his children's small shrouded bodies at the hospital. Gone were his daughters, 5-year-old Jude and 10-year-old Tasneem. 
Also gone were his twin 18-month-old sons, Kenan and Niman. Sharif sobbed as he hugged Kenan and said goodbye. Neiman's body was still lost beneath the rubble of the six-story tower where the family had sought refuge in the Nusayrat refugee camp in central Gaza before it was bombed by Israel. They had no time here, Sami Abu Sultan, Sharif's brother, said of the baby boys, a day after the building was destroyed by Israel. Mahmoud Datu, 16. On October 25th, Al Jazeera's live stream caught the chilling moment when its Gaza bureau chief, Wael Dadu, discovered that an Israel, Israeli airstrike had killed his wife, six-year-old daughter, infant grandson, and 16-year-old son, Mahmoud. Swarmed by TV cameras at the hospital, Dadu wept over his teenage son, murmuring, you wanted to be a journalist. Mahmoud was a senior at American International High School in Gaza City. Set on becoming an English language reporter, he spent his time honing camera skills and posting amateur reporting clips on YouTube, Dadu said. A video that Mahmoud filmed days before he died showed charred cars, dark smoke, and flattened homes. He and his sister Khulud took turns delivering a monologue, straining to be heard over the wind. This is the fiercest and most violent war we have lived in Gaza, Mahmoud said, chopping the air with his hands. At the end of the clip, the siblings stared straight into the camera. Help us to stay alive, they said in unison. These are just a few of the stories out of Gaza, and this is earlier on. Since then, the loss of children's lives has more than tripled. And it is unconscionable to us to hear people say that ceasefire is asking for war. If you say that in a sentence, even one time, it makes zero sense to anybody. All we're saying is we want the killing to stop. We want the killing to stop because continually bombarding an open-air prison is not helping anybody, certainly not those hostages that remain and that we want to get out safely. They're not going to be able to come home if we continue to send dumb missiles in to kill civilians. We're not doing any harm to the people that need it. And everybody in the world knows the leadership of Hamas is not actually in Gaza. So, you know, that's what we're seeing now is as the campaign is expanding and missiles are being sent into Lebanon. What are you going to do next? Bomb Qatar? Are you crazy? Like, you're going to get another oil embargo. Don't do stupid things. Don't kill civilians. Just stop. The senseless killing must stop because at this point it is senseless. Civilians are dying at astronomical numbers. We just want kids to stop dying and we need people to act like adults and sit down and negotiate. That is what needs to happen. That's why we're talking about ceasefire. And if that makes us not patriots, we don't know what to tell you. We're moms first. No, 100%. It's been 90 days. 90 days, 90 plus, you know, we're working on it with no end in sight. And sadly, like you said, we approach all of our opinions and our approach to our stories is from that maternal parenting perspective. And we do that on purpose because our hopes is all of us, regardless of your religion and your background, when you come from the side of a parent, you always want to leave the world better for your child, for your children. And that's where we are. Obviously, we happen to come from a Muslim perspective, but I would imagine regardless of what faith base you're coming from, keeping the world or, or making the world a safe space for our children, especially when these children are being targeted. I mean, that's just the truth of it. They're being targeted. And to your point, 50% of the population in that area are women and children under the age of 18. Uh, obviously, you and I have multiple kids that fall into that, fall into that age group. So 
I don't think anything we're saying is controversial. Personally, I don't understand it. And I've been trying to, you know, do the reading, um, do watching different types of news channels, trying to get different people's perspectives, asking and having one-on-one conversations with people that do feel differently um, and not coming from a place of, you know, being defensive, but really trying to understand how is it that if we say ceasefire, it can be such a, a triggering episode for some people. I, I, and I honestly, my conclusion from a parenting perspective is I just don't understand it. I don't know if we're going to get the answers to that, but I can say, like you said, we need to get the grownups in the room to just be like, okay, enough is enough. What is it that we can do to kind of meet in the middle? So this, um, the killing of these innocent children stop because, you know, to your point, since the, the writing of this article, almost triple the amount of children have been killed. Their names are probably too numerous to to say and list um, in an episode. So we were able to just give you a little bit of an insight to that. But they're people, they're somebody's son, child, they deserve to have their names be recited at some point. So if we can get a list of that, we'll put it up on our our socials because they deserve to be um, recognized and prayed for. And my hopes is with the tide or what they say, the public opinion in the media turning, that perhaps Brown bodies and black bodies can have a little bit of a voice um, in these type value in these types of situations that directly impact us. Yeah. To your point of listing the names. Um, so we have an event happening today that I'm going to be heading to make the off that all goes relatively well, yes. inshallah, not just that it works, but that everybody who's participating is safe. Actually, You know, if cousins don't get to be safe, I guess we don't get to be safe either. That's my ask. If you guys can remember us in your dua today, that would be great. But so some of the volunteers have been trying to get together the list of all of the martyrs, almost 30,000 now. They've been working on the list for four days and they're still not done. Yeah. They're still not done. So they were going to have like a big presentation like they did back in New York. But as the death toll increases, it becomes increasingly impossible. So like two weeks ago, I bought little cupcake topper flags. We bought them in blue. We bought them in white. We bought them in red, black, and green. Blue and white, naturally, because 30 Israeli children were killed on October 7th. We're never going to argue that every child is a child and is our child and we are responsible for it. At the time, we had something like 7,000 dead Palestinian children. It's already doubled in two weeks. So I have to order more cupcake toppers because we're trying to create this display at some of our interfaith vigils, you know, to let people mourn all of these lives. And it doesn't seem right to like put up a candle or put up a flower for one, one candle for 13,000 children. It doesn't seem appropriate. So we need to get 13,000 flags. And it's insane. It is insane that that number increased so quickly. And we're not counting for the people that are the children that are stuck under the rubble still. Yeah, that, that they haven't been accounted for. Yeah, they haven't been accounted for. So international experts say that you take the current death count that we know and you double it. That's how you account for the people under the rubble. But that's not being done by the Palestinian Authority right now. So we're trying to case, remain hopeful, trying to remain hopeful, trying to look forward to our episodes with the media, because I think there is a thread of hope. The fact that the information is changing, the misinformation is being called out, the disinformation is being checked, the disinformation is being called out. I think that that's really important. And we ask everybody to participate in that fighting misinformation, contesting disinformation, asking more questions. And when you don't know, 
go down the rabbit hole and find out it's not, well, it's not scary for us because Palestine is something that we all grew up with. But for those who are learning it for the first time, it is really scary to unlearn everything that you've been taught. We've had to do it multiple times just parenting, right? Yeah. It's like what the, the things that we thought were like red lines aren't red lines in parenting yeah. in life. Like our parents were wrong in a lot of things. And do we, do we resent them and hate them as a result? No, not maybe at first sometimes, but you know, we go through a lot of therapy and we, we fix it, we grow, we evolve because that's what human beings are supposed to do. So if you have to unlearn something that has been problematic and that has potentially put blinders on your eyes, please give yourself some love. Please give those who taught you those things some love because maybe that's all they knew too. Yes. You know, give everybody grace, especially yourself. Go down the rabbit hole. If you have questions, go to Palestinian accounts. I recommend the IMEU at IMEU on um, Instagram. I recommend uh, Sabithaha. We can put these links for Palestinian voices who are telling us, who have been telling us for decades, all of our lifetime, what's going on. And some of these people are half our age. And they know more because they're actually Palestinian. So we're going to list them. We're going to list the name of Palestinian journalists who in the beginning of this aggression, we saw their names uh, showing up on social media, but their accounts are being actively repressed. I'm a nobody. My accounts are being repressed. Yeah. I'm being limited on commenting on other posts about Palestine, about Israel. So you can imagine what's happening to actual Palestinian voices. So we need to elevate them. We need to lift them. We need to get the truth out there. If you need to know who they are, check our show notes. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next Thursday on a brand new episode of Mommy Well Muslim Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Assalamualaikum. Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzman Mommy Well Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Mommy While Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone.